We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of Seahawks Man to Man, powered by The Athletic. It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. You can follow me on Twitter at ckid206, and that's ckidd206, at his crib. It's been a while since we did a podcast like this, but at his crib, we got Mike. Oh, Mike has his Twitter handle in his actual name. What's surprising, Mike? What's up, man? What's going on? People know where to follow me. What up to our YouTube viewers? Nice to see you. Uh, if you're on audio, remember we got the YouTube channel. Tell a friend to tell a friend. But if you're on Spotify, Apple, whatever, we love y'all too. We love everybody who's showing love to the podcast, man. Welcome, man. welcome back. Special midweek episode. Yes. Switching it up a little bit. Um, if you notice, it's just the two of us. We don't have... Um, Someone who covers the New Orleans Saints, Seattle's next opponent. Why um, is that, Mike? Um, you know, just peel back the curtain a little bit on the editorial decision that we that we made. Um, <laughs> we just feel like, and you guys can correct us if we're wrong here, but because the Seahawks are so much going wrong with the Seahawks these days, you know, they're two and four. They don't have Russ. They're banged up. You guys all hate Jamal Adams. Uh, <laughs> we just felt like it was better to kind of double up on the Seahawks and emphasize them. As opposed to having, you know, Catherine, um, Catherine, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but our Saints writer for the Athletic, um, or Larry Holder, who also covers the Saints for the Athletic. You know, we just decided to focus on the Seahawks a little bit more because you guys have all these great questions and there's so many things surrounding the Seahawks. And let's be honest, Chris, if they lose this game, the season's over. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we briefly talked about that. This is a. This is a big game. You, the Seahawks, have to find a way to win, no matter what. Clawing, yeah, honestly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you, if they have to go stab someone in the eye. Like you have to win this game, or the season is over. What did the Lions coach say? We got to bite a couple of kneecaps on the way bite up. Some kneecaps, do whatever you do. Find Ray Lewis his white suit from the <laughs> two thousand or whatever. Shout out to everyone who gets that reference. Uh, like this is this is bad. I did the math earlier. Um, this. I don't want to do all the math again, but just think, <laughs> just put it this way. Look at the division. Like just look at it in the frame of the division. The Cardinals the, undefeated. The Cardinals are six and zero, and they play the Texans. Probably going to go to seven and zero, right? The Rams are five and one. Yep, right? they're probably going to be six and one after they and they play Detroit. On Detroit, yeah. Those are t- those two teams right there are favored by two touchdowns this week, <laughs> like individually, not combined. Like the 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 Cardinals are favored by like 17, 17 points. Yep. 
absurd. That's an absurd line. That means Vegas has no respect for the Texans. They don't even think they're a football team. And then the Rams are playing the Lions, and the Lions are not getting any respect as a football team either. And then the Niners are the night game against the Colts, and that could go either way. Um, if, but if the Niners do happen to win that, which the Seahawks will know by the time they kick off Monday Night Football, the Seahawks are already in last, I think, by like half a game because they have a, a, a more loss, one more loss than the Niners. Um, they'll be firmly last. in last with the Niners at three. They could go into Monday night, and this is a very plausible scenario. They could go into Monday night two and four, right, with the team above them at three and three, the other team above them at five and one, six and one, and the other team above them at seven and zero. Oh. Go two and five. The season's over. There is no Russ comes back and saves us. None of that. The season is over. And because because there is such urgency, that goes into our decision to just talk Seahawks again. But like when you frame it that way, and that doesn't even count for. Let's take it a step further before we get into the actual game itself. Think about it this way: they'd be competing for wild cards at that point, right? <laughs> even if they even if they win and go three and four, they're still looking at wild cards. Okay. Who would be the other wild card teams? Oh my goodness. Like, uh, let me look at the uh, standings real quick. You get teams like Carolina. Carolina is uh, what is Carolina? Carolina's three and three. New Orleans is three and two. So if you lose this game, you lose that tiebreaker. You've already lost a tiebreaker to Minnesota, which is three and three and a potential wild card team. They play Chicago later in the year, so that could be another wild card team that they're competing against too. Uh, Washington and Philadelphia are both two and four. Seattle plays Washington, so they have a chance to still win a tiebreaker there. The Vikings, yeah, yeah, Minnesota, yeah, like they lost a tiebreaker, um, to them too. So, like, the wild card looks gloomy, even at three and four. Yeah, you don't want to do that because of how strong the division is. You're looking at two teams minimum from the NFC West alone, that only leaves two more spots. Uh. Yeah, so that's four division winners, an NFC West second team, that's five. So, yeah, you're looking at two extra spots. And you got teams that are, you know, looking a lot more competent than the Seahawks are right now. Like I said, a team like Carolina, Minnesota, even the Chicago team led by a rookie uh, and, and Justin Fields or whatever. So and that's if the, the Niners could get it together, too. I don't think they will, but they could. So this is a very big game. This is a must win game. I think we said that before with the other games with the Rams and the Niners. But like because they keep losing, it becomes they must yeah. win every time. <laughs> it, it, there's there's nothing Russ can do. Let's say he let's say they lose this game and go two and five. And they what beat the Jags and go into so the bye. Three and five. Three and five. I don't care if Russ comes back on steroids in week 10 against the Packers and they just make a run. That would t- they would have to win every game. They have to go undefeated. 12 and five. Which could lead cut that could win the division at that point, but that's that's, that's very tough because Dallas is playing. Oh, did I forget? It? No, Dallas is probably going to win that division. That division. Oh, they're going to win that division. They're next. I think Washington's at two and four, and they're second in that division. So Dallas is the clear cut favorite unless something drastic happens. They're going to yeah, win that division. Philly's but, two and four as well. So yeah, no, those. I'm the the NFC East is only going to get one team, but there are other divisions that could easily get. Um, a second team in Minnesota and Chicago are three and three. New Orleans is three and two. Carolina's three and three. And so I'm not naming the division leaders like Tampa and Green Bay, just looking at other wild card teams. Like it gets real ugly at two and five. It gets somebody's getting fired at two and five. Like that's that's where we're at if it goes two and five. So that's why this game, this game is everything. This is probably 
people got mad at me when I said this was the the um, the Niners Rams stretch was the most important two game stretch of the Pete Carroll Russ era. I was like, well, Mike, what about the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game? It's like, well, a you know what I meant. B um, the other problem with that is that was the playoffs, so the second game wasn't guaranteed, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So if like when yeah. they went into the NFC title game in twenty. 13 it was like okay this you can't call this the most important two game stretch i guess just because who knew if there was going to be a second game yeah okay, like we know there's going to be a second game the other problem with that is if they'd have lost the nfc title game that's not the end of the world russ was in his second year <laughs> you know they would have advanced one game further than they would the year before so um that would have been a natural progression let's say they lose they went they went to 2012 they went to the divisional round right this uh 2013 they go to the championship and the nfc championship and lose Everyone the next year probably would have picked the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl or something, right? That would have been natural. You, this game right here against the Saints is this is prop to date because it couldn't end the era. That was the beginning of Pete Russ. This could end it 10 years later. This week seven game, uh. Monday Night Football against the New Orleans Saints, could be the beginning of the end of the Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson era, if they lose this game. So now that we've gone full doom and gloom, now we can talk about what needs to happen here. Cause they can't, Chris, there's no room for error. Everything has to be perfect on Monday. It has to be as close to perfect as humanly possible. Because if not, yeah. So somebody getting, somebody gone. Somebody's not making out the bye week on this team, on this front office or something. If they go two and five. And the offense is going to be on the spotlight. They got to play their best football this season. And they don't have number three. They don't have Russell Wilson. They're now looking at Geno to be their savior. And that's a lot to ask for. But I do think Shane can put together a game plan that puts the Seahawks in a position to win this game and try to get the season back on track. That way, when Russell does return from his injury, maybe the Seahawks are five at 500. They have to be 4-4. Four four. There's really no choice. There's no choice. That's... This is the game that they got to do it. And offensive game plan-wise, I think for the most part, the running back situation is a mess. We were talking about this before we hopped on. Chris Carson's on IR. He's going to be out at least, what, four weeks? Uh, no, I mean, minimum is three with the minimum short three, IR they have now. He's already right. missed one week. Um, so, I mean, he's missed two. He missed the, the Rams game, but he didn't go on IR. He, didn't, he went on IR this week. Yeah. So, he has to miss this, t- and it's three, it's three games, not three weeks. Okay, that's a very, that's. I mean, it's not super relevant to Chris necessarily, but just keep that in mind. That if someone was to say go on IR um, after this game, or let's say they was to go on IR this week, they couldn't play against the Packers. Yep, they had, like you said, three, three games, three games, not three weeks. So the bye doesn't count for your IR. That's that's at least. I may have to double check that later, but I'm like 98% sure that's how that works. So you got no Chris Carson. You maybe have no Alex Collins. He's banged up. So right now, Rashad Penny is supposed to come back. You'll have, right. Rashad, you'll have Rashad Penny. You'll have Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. Those are your three running backs you're looking at. I mean, hell, they might throw in Nick Ballore. I mean, you never yeah, know. Nick, Nick Ballore, he does factor in there, and then they have a practice squad dude. Don't remember his name. right? Now. I wasn't even going to try that. I just left it at those three. With that being said, you need your offensive line to create room for these guys to run. We saw it with Alex Collins, and Alex Collins, I said he has good feet. Mike corrected me. He said, no, Chris, he has great feet. Alex Collins gets in and out. 
We saw that in the third quarter. He had 100 yards, got banged up, unfortunately. Now we're asking other guys to step up to the plate. This is going to be a challenge for Shane, to be completely honest with you. He has to do everything perfect, but he doesn't have all of his pieces to the puzzle. He doesn't have the he doesn't have everything he needs to do it. He's he's relying on guys that haven't been put in this position before. This is all new for DJ Dallas. This is going to be new. Well, not for a shot, Penny. He, I think he'll be fine, but there's going to be times where DJ Dallas gets in the game. These guys have to perform at a high level, and they're thinking it's only a Week 7 game. Yeah, this is the biggest Week 7 game you're ever going to be in. As you pointed out, this is to make or break the season, and that's a lot of pressure, and it starts with the quarterback. And if Geno comes out there and is confident and is cool and collective, I think this offense can really find the, the groove and rhythm and be effective. We saw it in some of the film review we were watching while we were eating some, I guess we can call it dinner. You were showing me some of the throws that DK, not DK, that Gino can make. Then there's throws where you're you're saying, Gino, you have to not hesitate, but that's the distinction between a Russell Wilson and a Gino Smith, where, like you pointed out, Mike, am I, I'm looking down the field, I can see Tyler Lockett's covered by the safety. But in my peripheral, oh, DK's wide open. Yeah, Russ sees that and makes that play. Whereas Gino, he doesn't make that play. It results in a sack. Those things have to be eliminated on Sunday. Now, that's a lot to ask for. That's that's a lot. But it, in this situation, you need Gino, the starter, to realize that and make those type of plays. He's going to have to check down and find running backs that are open. Even though we kind of are saying, get rid of the screen, there might be times where no one's open and you might have to dump it down. You can't take big sacks on third down. You can't have costly turnovers. There's a lot on stake here for Geno. And let's say he does play well. That's just good for him moving forward if he continues on that. Because after that, they have the Jaguars, which should be a win, we'd hope. But it starts on Monday night. He has to really step up and play well. He can't have any turnovers. He has to play a sound game, and he has to win. That's what it comes down to. Can Geno Smith lead this team to the win? But I also believe that Shane really has to draw up a simple game plan for him, get him comfortable. I mean, I don't know how many times we've seen Russ come out, play action pass to someone. I mean, Russ can do it night and day, but I think for Geno, that's something that maybe Shane should throw at him. Okay, let's get Geno throwing the ball early. Maybe send Ty on a drag across the field, seven yards, double to him. Okay, Gino kind of has a rhythm and hope for the best from there because we saw throws where Gino misses guys, and then we saw throws like, damn, Gino can throw the rock. Yeah, I think – well, oh, sorry. I, f- I forgot one more injured guy, which is very important too. Damian Lewis got hurt. Oh, so game. is he, he to, out? I don't know. At the, the time of recording this, I haven't – Of course, you know, uh, don't have anything yet. yet. Yeah, it's all about how, how guys make it through the week of practice. Um, he has a sprained AC joint in his shoulder, which is not good. Yeah, that honestly is. sounds like a you got to miss a game type of thing. That doesn't Hey, you might have to thug it out. The season's on the line. Yeah, I mean, they trust Jamarco Jones, though, so they wouldn't they wouldn't try to risk long-term damage with Damian by putting him out there. But, yeah, Jamarco Jones, I mean, he he was up and down in the game. He, he, can, he can help in the run game, but I think there was like, for example, on one of the first plays, and this is in the Steelers game when he came in, uh, Jamarco came in, I believe, after Alex Collins's touchdown. So after the first drive in the third quarter, I think Damian was done. So they ran the ball effectively after that. But there was like one play in particular. I want to say it was either in overtime or on like one of the first possessions of the f- fourth quarter where 
Jamarco just gets blown up. And it's like a loss of four on like first down. And it's like, well, damn, you know, it's like now we're behind the sticks and this offense is not equipped to overcome that. So that could be a potential issue as well as having uh, missing your starting left guard, who is a, the best thing he does is run block. That's an issue. The other part, I remember the practice squad guy's name is Josh Johnson. That's Oh, uh, did the Seahawks have him last year too? They had him all year. Um, no, he's a rookie, but they just had him all year. He's from uh, That's Louisiana. Uh, okay. So they have that. But the interesting thing about how Geno played, because I watched the uh, All-22, the coaches film that shows you everything. It was it was very interesting. And the, the one of the first things I noticed was on his first third down, he's got Freddie Swain just flying up the seam for a probably would have been like an 80-yard touchdown or something. He just doesn't see it. And he's getting pressured from um, – his left side, I want to say Dwayne Brown's side, getting pressured. He has to get rid of it. And then I think he dumps it to Travis Homer, maybe. Um, but either way, he get he gets rid of it. And it's just one of those things where like, damn, was his was his was his clock too fast? Was he not trusting the protection? Was that a protection issue? Because the rush did get to him uh, pretty fast. But even then at the top of his drop, Freddie is there. The problem is the so what we like to do now that all 22 is available. And I think this is a little unfair to quarterbacks in particular as we have like we can freeze frame it right at like, the top of his drop and we don't factor in how the how progression actually works. Like when you get to the top of your drop, read one, maybe that's DK. You got to look and see if that's there. You can you can freeze frame it there and at the top of his drop, Freddie's wide open, but he, he's following his reads. His read is, oh, DK first. OK, read two. Freddie. Oh, damn. Now I'm getting sacked. Right. So we have to factor in progressions too. like Freddie's very rarely, I'm sure, the first read on any play that involves throwing further than the sticks. For the most part, Freddie's a secondary third read type of receiver in this offense, which makes sense because it has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So like Gino had some moments like that that I thought like, okay, once he sees that on film, there's a lot of potential for him to fix that particular thing. Um, He had some other ones there where he just it was weird when he chose to let it rip. He had a couple of them where, like, he had some out routes that he was like, he threw that were like really risky throws. And then he had, um, he threw that ball to Tyler Lockett in overtime on like his second throw, gets it over Devin Bush right in front of the safety. And it's like, you threw that? <laughs> it's like three other times you could have thrown some very similar risky passes that probably would have got there. Um, so I think that when you look at like, oh, how's a guy going to look in his first start? Where's he going to make mistakes? And where's he going to be good, bad? That in particular was like choosing when to let that thing rip, choosing when to be, um, when to protect the ball a little bit more. Um, that is where I think if if you're looking like okay, how where can Geno improve? Because um, I think that was a, largely a Geno game. Like what you're gonna get from Geno, he was 23 of 32, 209 yards, a touchdown, a passer rating just under 100, um, pretty good you know, yards per attempt, I believe. So like not great, but like a Geno Smith type of game. They need better than that. And you say, well, Mike, where's what does better look like? I think it is letting it rip in certain situations in a calculated way, which is pretty much saying be Russ. Because what Russ does, it is hard. Because what Russ really excels in is a, is a particular stat, um, completion percentage over expectation. If you see me write it or someone else write it, shout out to the homie Ben Baldwin, you might see them write it as CPOE. And that measures like where the quarterback is, um, how far the receiver is from the quarterback, the nearest defender. Like it's like takes completion probability and says this throw is hard as hell, right? Like it's probably completed about 69% of the time. 
And if you if um, and you completed it like you completed an improbable. I'm explaining this very poorly, but like Tyler Lockett and Russ are the best at it. They throw balls to like Tyler. Tyler catches balls from Russ that are like completely improbable. Like the, the chances of catching those based on where the defender is, how long it's in the air. Like think about that one he caught over Bradley McDougal in week two. The ball hangs like 50 yards in the air. It's because like one of the more hardest completions based on where the receiver is, blah, blah, blah. Russ really excels in that. He's really high in that because he makes a lot of tight window throws every week and it completes them at a high rate. Unfortunately, until we see them scheme up better options in this offense, that's what Geno's going to have to do because that was the other thing. I didn't see a ton of easy throws naturally schemed up for Geno. And I think that's where my early criticism of Shane is kind of, that's where I'm at. How many weeks are we in? Six? Six going on seven. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. It feels like even when they need a quick gain, it's really hard to get. Like there, it's it's there's like one of two ways that they usually get quick completions in this offense. They either go empty and then have a bunch of like stick routes, which guy, you know, guys turning five, six yards at the sticks and say, Oh, I'm open. Or it's a quick screen to a wide receiver or a running back or something. Like you have to have more easy completions in your offense than that. And I think the Steelers game, if you watch the whole game, really puts that into perspective of how different ways to go about that because the Steelers were doing it. Yeah, ask Deontay Johnson. They yeah. didn't throw that thing down the field and complete it, not but one time. Everything else was quick, 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 quick. They were throwing it so quick in the Steelers game that the Seahawks were only rushing like two guys sometimes because it was like there's no point in wasting our pass rushers to run at a guy who's just going to catch it, not even find the laces and throw. But I think the Seahawks can borrow some of those concepts, especially now that they got a bigger quarterback and Geno who can just grab it and throw over the line a lot easier and not have to find lanes, at least, I guess, in theory, because he was getting his stuff batted down. Yeah. Uh, I think that is where, like, I've already identified where Geno can be better, just deciding where to take those risks and hit those throws, where he can get some help. Damn the run game. Damn the defense for a second. He can just get some help from the scheme. Find yeah, that's... other ways to get the ball to your best dudes that aren't the third way, I guess, is the easy throws in this offense are play acts and deep shots. There's three ways in this offense to get easy. It's play acts and deep shots. Um, like the throw you mentioned that he didn't let it rip and took a sack um after Najee Harris's touchdown. It's play acts and deep shots, empty uh formation. That means no one in the backfield with Gino. And um then they have the screens, either wide receiver or running back. That's not enough for Gino to be effective at a high level, I don't think. And I would say a lot of that falls with Shane making the that, play that's, call. That's mostly Shane, yeah. I yeah, I would, I would give two out of the three and say, Shane, you have to put Gino in those positions. That's why I had him so high when I was talking about the offensive game plan. It comes down to Shane. When it comes to Russ, okay, I'll have a game plan for you, Russ, but ultimately Russ is going to do what Russ does. You mentioned seeing Freddie Swain down the field, running down the seam wide open. Russ is going to hit him. Russ is going to do a little whoop, whoop, whoop and find him. And now we're like, how did he get so open? See the replay, play broke down. Russ was able to find someone. Gino doesn't have that luxury, at least not yet. Maybe he can do, he can yeah, do maybe, it a little bit. Like, yeah, that, maybe, real quick, real quick. Oh, you're good. Example. The, the play to Penny Hart. Yes. Um, that was not a, on the sideline. Yes. Yep. You see the, I don't know if they show the coach's view of that on NBC. Penny does a great job of relocating, 
Then he relocates again, and then he breaks to the side. It was just so beautiful. It looked very Russish. Russ and uh, Doug Baldwin-ish. <laughs> yeah, very, no, no, no lie. Like, yeah, Kenny Hart's obviously not Doug Baldwin, but the the idea of feeling out your quarterback scramble and making yourself available, he can do it. But that was that was like the only time. Yeah, you saw so it all game. I don't know if we want Gino doing it that much, because <laughs> Gino is not Russ. I don't know if I would say, hey, Gino, you know, try to. I think uh, maybe it was after the first game that he played against the Rams or maybe it was a presser. I'm trying to remember. I think he mentioned it. You might be, you might remember off top. Didn't he mention his ability to create making plays on the ground, using his legs on the ground and passing situations. Did he ever mention that in a presser? Am I thinking of the last game he did play against the Steelers when he was thinking, Oh, I'm going to take off. Should I get this first down or slide if I need to? And ultimately TJ Watt comes over and causes the fumble. I think maybe that's where I'm getting it from, to be honest. Uh, I don't, can't remember if he talked about making plays with his legs. I think uh, maybe I'm combining the fact of what we saw against the Steelers and then his comment after the game where he was in his head, he was going to try to run for the first or and slide if it came to that. But unfortunately, T.J. Watt had other plans. Uh, yeah, no, T.J. I had a, somebody email me a stat. Uh, was that be Wednesday morning that T.J. Watt that was his twelfth turnover generated via pressure. Um, and that's the third most in the NFL since 2018, which is bananas. That means he's a turnover machine. But I think um, Pete Carroll – so this is where me and Pete Carroll, like I understand why he emphasizes the things he he emphasizes. Like if Geno's going to play well, we need the run game. You know, we need the O-line. We need our defense to play well. Let's run the ball, play really good defense. Of course. I'm never going to say run the ball bad and play bad defense. No, of course. Do all of those things well. I think there's specific ways you can help your guy in the throwing game beyond just not asking him to throw. I just think that's <laughs> a counterproductive way to yeah. do it. Be like, oh, uh, all right, we got a rookie quarterback. Let's just not have him throw that much. I mean, I guess. Or give him easy throws. They, they exist. You can do it. Yeah, there's one sequence that sticks in my mind from that game against the Steelers. That's the fourth quarter, about six minutes left. Seahawks run two straight draw plays to Alex Collins. They both end up with minus yards totaling what third and 12 now third down and 12 and what do they do they go to a screen Seahawks are forced to punt in that situation I would want Gino to try to throw the ball down the field there's six minutes left let's see if we can win the game right now leave it up to our defense to stop Ben Roethlisberger who you mentioned didn't throw more than 20 yards but maybe once or twice and the one time that he did connected with his guy first down and cover two defense I get it okay let Gino go down there throw the ball see if he can get a touchdown, and let's make Ben Big Ben throw deep. And we have Trey Brown and DJ Reed that are playing pretty damn good football. Let's test him out. Unfortunately, it didn't come to that. That's the situation I don't want to see on Monday night. I don't want to see if it's a tight game. Oh, we're just going to run the ball here. Well, No, no, no. Let's see if Gino can lead this team down to a victory. He said, it's on me. I got to play better. Now is a chance on Monday night, and I thought on Sunday night, to allow him to do that. He did get a chance at the end of the game, ultimately it didn't go his way but I thought that pivotal point in the fourth quarter with about six minutes left I didn't like that offensive game plan at all where they ran it twice and then try to run a screenplay just in my opinion giving up and saying well we lost two yards here it's third and 12 let's just try a screen and see what we can get with it yeah I hate the screen game as like a I mean every team does it I just think there are other ways to get easy I mean there's other so one of the things that's really frustrated me about this off like think put it this way 
put it this way. And I think we talked about this a little bit after the after the, the game in a different context, but it'll, it's the same discussion. Imagine having Geno Smith in this offense, right? And you say, let's make it really easy on him by giving it to Alex Collins a bunch. That just don't sit right with me. That don't. Like I watched that third that third down, um, at, uh, excuse me, the first drive in the third quarter, and they are running it down their throats. The only throw was a little quick, easy joint to DK Metcalf. He makes a corner miss, nine yards. That's Tyler Lockett and DK can make it easier on your quarterback. It doesn't have to be just hand it off, hand it off, hand it off. He's not a child. He can throw the ball, like he can he can let it spin. But I think that that goes to the faith in him. Like you said, they just didn't have it. Or like they, were fine. It. they didn't have it. I don't get it. You're trying to win the game, like you said. You gotta if if you don't have faith in them, why are you putting them out there? That's my thing. Else. <laughs> that's why I've been that's where I'm kind of at with backup quarterbacks. Yeah. You should always be looking for a backup quarterback, like every team, literally. If the current guy you have, you don't have faith in to throw. Mm. If your thing is just, well, shoot, if we got to play blank, let's just run it a lot and play good D. Okay, no, go get a different quarterback then. Now, I know, Mike, there aren't 64 good quarterbacks. I know. You should still be trying. Dump resources into the position until you luck in to your guy. Because if you have that guy, it saves you. Like, look at the Saints. They traded for Teddy Bridgewater. Look at the Eagles going to get a Nick Foles. Like, you can – there's there's ways to invest in the position, I think. Um, and you got to get a little lucky sometimes, you know. But to just – to to have a guy on your bench that think – and your mindset is, all right, if he has to go, let's make sure we're running it really well and playing good defense. No, man. It's quarterback. Get a guy who can throw. You know, and I, I do think Gino made some throws uh, in that game. He made some good decisions. He knew when to check it down, but the, so he wasn't letting it fly like I thought he should have the opportunity to. The Steelers were doing some good stuff to take it away. They did, one, of the, one of those plays, um, we can get to the defensive side of the ball too and talk about the Saints as well, but one of those plays, I think it was a third down, and there's two Steelers defenders on DK Metcalf. He's to Gino's right on the outside, so outside the numbers. And the two guys just face guard him like it's like it's uh, high school or something like that. It almost looks like that Calvin uh, Calvin Johnson play. You've seen that on the goal line where two, oh, defenders, yeah. yep. two defenders are pressing Calvin at the on the goal line. It was very similar. 34 and I want to say like 23 is the jersey number. They're basically face guarding DK. They don't even look at Gino. They just face guard DK and it ends up being like a sack or something like that or a batted pass, um, which Gino also has to fix. Can't keep getting your passes batted, but. There's, I think they should have more faith in them because this whole be the 2012 Seahawks with your game plan, you don't have Marshawn. Um, you don't have a Legion of Boom. You don't Damn have Russ. <laughs> no, I, well, I say I don't I don't include Russ in that just because the idea of like, let's play good defense and let's run it okay. all well, yeah. that makes like you didn't need to have someone as good as Russell Wilson for that particular offense to work. For it to be a top five offense, yes. For it to just be a good functioning offense to hold you over for a few weeks, no, I think you could have plugged in a, a middle of the you could have plugged in Geno Smith, I think, for example, with the Legion of Boom and Marshawn Lynch and figured it out. But, uh, or maybe like a Jameis Winston, that's probably a better example than someone a little bit better. Um, but my point is, I don't like that as a mindset to say, all right, let's 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 throw it back to 2012 2013 style, no. You have a guy who can throw it a little bit. Put him in position to throw it a little bit. He averaged, look at his average depth of target. This is according to RB 
sdm.com. This is Ben Baldwin's site. Average depth of target. So how far your uh, your target was from the quarterback at the time of the throw. Or not the time of the throw, sorry. But just, you know what I mean. Geno's was 3.4 in that game. That's terrible. You're averaging 3.4 yards away from your dude? That's like a handoff. No, I want to see that number up. Big Ben's was at least seven. Like, you know, like, let me get, get that number up. I think Russ is at like 9.1. I'm letting it fly. You know, I, I just think that that's that's the way to do it. And Gino can do it. I do think Gino can do that. And I think the Saints are going to give him opportunities to do that. For sure. They're going to be like, hey, Gino, you're going to have to throw it over our heads to beat us. Well, then, goddamn it, man. Throw it <laughs> you over there. You got DK and Power Lockett. Lockett. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. We, we're thinking the same there, man. That That's kind of... That's where I'm at with that, man. I know Gino's limit, a more limited passer than Russ, but like, you really can't afford him to be right now. Not at this two and four. It's a must win. No, no. Yeah, put everything out there. Hell, first play of the game. See if you can throw it 60 yards to DK. <laughs> I mean, first play of the game, sure. Play action, deep shot, whatever. Um, I just don't, I don't like the inability of this offense so far to make it really easy on Gino. I don't think that was a good a great showing. There was some easy stuff that got batted down for sure. And that's not really on the scheme, but I just think that in general, the offense is looked just really limited, whether it's Russ or Gino, when it's time to get something easy, it's just not a ton of easy. It's like quick outs. And there's some of those you see Tyler has caught a bunch of them. Um, but other, just not, not seeing it, not, not in compared to some other offenses, like a, like what I see when I watch the Packers or what I see when I watch, um, the Bucks and Brady just finds easy ways to get his guys the ball. I just don't see it. Um, they need more of that, man. Help Gino out. That's how you help your quarterback out. It ain't just let's just not have him do nothing. It's stupid. He's gonna be out there every play. Yeah, have him do something. If you don't yeah. have the best run run game in the league, and to your point about the running back situation not looking great, it hasn't looked good without Chris. Alex Collins has put up some solid numbers and had some really good runs, but you look at his production compared to the rest of the league in the two game span that he's been a starter. Collins has been like below average in a lot of ways, other than like, I think total yards or something. He's, he, he looks okay, but he's been a, like a below average guy. Like the, the, the run blocking hasn't been stellar outside of this, that second half. And that was even just with Damian Lewis. So I think, your best bet is trying to have the more efficient passing offense than the other team. It is not, let's outrun the other team. That gets your ass smoked, man. You'll be careful if the Saints come in here and do it again like 2019. We yeah. have the Doom and Gloom podcast on, on – on, uh, we're going to record Tuesday morning, next Tuesday morning. Yeah, that'll yeah. work because yeah. Monday night's late night. So you, Late night, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. get to sleep. So Yeah, we'll do like, that. We, we don't want to see that, man. We, you no. know. We, we're not supposed to root for them necessarily win, but them losing bad for business, baby. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, it is. I try to talk about that. You try to no. talk about no losers. Let's look at the defensive side because I think defensively they showed a lot on Sunday night against the Steelers, but now the question is, can they build off that? Can they grow from that? We saw Trey Brown for the first time with the Seahawks drafted in the fourth round. He played good football. We saw DJ Reed. He played good. He played Jamal really Adams. well. I thought DJ played. Jamal Adams, he was back in the box trying to get after the quarterback, getting after the running back. He had a few opportunities to make plays. Came up short, but as we talked about, he was actually in position. Kudos to him. Yeah, he, he had some really good plays, but he was certainly in the in the position that the play calls for him to be in, which is very good. It's perfect. Now they're going to be asked to do that again. The Saints, Kamara likes they give the ball to Kamara quite a bit. All right, and what we saw against the ten, I'm not comparing Derrick Henry to Kamara, but Kamara's going to get the ball. He's going to get his carry. He's going to get his touches. It's important for the Seahawks to fill their gaps, stay in their assignments, wrap up. Because if Kamara can get loose, it's going to be a problem, a big problem. And we mentioned what Jameis can do. Jameis can throw it downfield. He is very capable. He can also throw you interceptions. But the Seahawks... Very capable in that regard, too. (laughs) I think the Seahawks really have to realize that, okay... The first point of attack is slowing down Kamara. If they have success obviously doing so, that kind of eliminates what Jameis is going to do. Because Kamara is averaging, what, 27 touches a game? Or 25 is it a game? Um, Let's see. I have them looking up the number right now. So Kamara averages 18.8 rushing attempts per game. That is second in the league. Behind um, Derrick Henry, who's at 27. That's what it was. That's 27. Yeah, Joe Mixon at 18.5. Uh, Chubbs at 18. Zeke's at 17 and Najee's at 17. That rounds out um, the top five. So, I mean, Kamara, he's more of a rushing threat than in previous versions of the Saints offense. Jameis is really low on total dropbacks. He's like 30th or something like that. And he's really low in dropbacks or passing attempts per game. They're basically saying they're basically trying to do what Pete wants to do. Yeah. They don't trust Jameis either. Exactly. He occasionally throws that throws that thing down the field, but they're not a, they're not a super pass heavy team. They're, they lean a lot more on Kamara in the run game. Now uh, this is, this is the, like Pete Carroll's probably going to say this week, like, yeah, you know, I really like the Saints style, you know, it's like, Oh, God damn it, Pete. And I know what I, I know what I said was cliche as hell. Chris, I got to stop the run. But in this situation, you're two and four, you better stop the run. 
You don't no, want. They them. definitely do. You're right. That's, that's cliche, but it's, when they're when they're giving it to one guy 18 times a game, yeah, you got to stop. Not to mention the receiving core. I'm not 100 percent sure on Mike Thomas. I know he's off the pup list, but I haven't seen much from him about him recently in that regard. Hopefully he don't play because that would be another <laughs> no for real. That would be another problem that they'd have to figure out. A six foot three, aka slant boy, as the homies down at the, what the Bucks called him last year. Oh yeah, Carlton Davis to the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. Carlton slant boy, I think. But the the game plan has to be Jamal Adams in the box. I think again, creating havoc, getting after the quarterback, slowing down Kamar, blowing up the running game, doing things of that nature, and then in certain situations, yeah, dropping him deep and letting him play coverage. Maybe Jamal has a few pass breakups. Those are things I'm excited to see. I'm also looking forward to seeing Trey Brown start, hopefully. I don't know the health of Sidney Jones. I'm sure we will find out, or you'll find out more in the heading into the weekend. But I think DJ Reed is going to be fine. Quandre Diggs, he's looked okay. I haven't had any issues, but I'm also curious about the pass rush. Are they going to get enough pressure when Jameis does want to throw? Daryl Taylor sounds like he is okay. Don't know if he's going to be playing on Sunday. I would bank on... the maybe him not playing, and maybe other guys going to have to step up. Hyder, Benson Mayoa, we see production from them. Poon has been pretty outstanding. Al Woods has been doing his thing. This game comes down to can the Seahawks get pressure on Jameis Winston, and can they also just prevent Kamara from going crazy on him? Because if he ends up going for 100-plus yards on 20 carries, and now Jameis is play action, throwing the ball around, this could be the end of the season on a Monday night. And to to your point, doom and gloom Tuesday podcast. They have to play perfect offensively and they have to play perfectly de- defensively. And the coach has got to put them in the right position. There can be a situation where it's the, the game plan is you're in base defense. You go out there and the offense is empty, meaning everybody's lined up to go for a pass. And now you have Benson Mayoa on Alvin Kamara. I, I, that should be a timeout. You got to fix that immediately. That shouldn't happen. You got to put your best players in position to make plays. And on Sun, on Monday night, we're going to see how the Seahawks have planned for this. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the other thing is this: this game is probably not going to be good for uh, people who want to see more of Ryan Neal. I could see that not being. Oh yeah, thing. I don't. Just I, I forgot team, to mention that, yeah. Just because, well, here's the thing about uh, Ryan Neal. It's just that he comes in and there's a lot of sub packages when they know the other team's going to throw. Basically, there's not, you know, they don't think Ryan Neal is just like another linebacker, right? So um, they're going to, they're pulling Jordan Brooks off the field. But with a team like the Saints, that's their offense isn't even that great. I think it's like middle of the pack and expected points added per play. So not super efficient. They're like 19th or something like that. It's a little below average. Um, Jameis has been eh. Uh, Kamara like has been really well, but overall the team doesn't even really run the ball that efficiently either. Um, super, super below average in um, EPA uh, on the ground. Or actually, yeah, they're 23rd according to the homie Ben Baldwin's uh, site. So not super great. So this is one of the use of discipline is going to be the key. This was going to be the key more than anything. But I don't think it's a game where it's like ah let's let's Mike can we put Ryan Neal on the field more? I was like I don't know if that's the move here because like. If they're going to run it on you, I think actually Jordan Brooks is the play. Yeah, he just has to cover his assignment. Like you said, guys got to know where they're at, supposed to be, fill the gap assignments, and make plays in the football. If they put Ryan Neal in, I don't know if Ryan Neal is – I mean, he could stop the run. He's just not a linebacker. That's a big difference, man. Linebacker, yeah, that's that's a huge difference, man. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, he's almost like a 
he's just a, I would just call him a DB. I wouldn't even call Ryan a safety necessarily because he plays so close to the line of scrimmage when he's in. He's almost like another version of Jamal and just doesn't doesn't rush the passer. But I mean, like normal, this would be a big Jamal game. Jamal's actually been good against the run, I think. Uh, like the homie Sam Gold said a couple weeks ago, he doesn't use his hands as much uh, tackling. A lot of shoulder stuff, as you've seen uh, on Sunday. He just laid Najee Harris out, all shoulder. Yep. No wrap-up, which you can do that. That's fine, but you can't do that every time. You're either going to lose your shoulder or, or miss a lot of tackles. Uh, so I think that this is this is more of like a old. This might be an old school game. Both coaches going in there thinking the less we that less we ask our quarterback to do, the greater chance we have of winning the game. Mm. Um, and it really might come down to which quarterback or which running back fumbles the rock or turns it over. Because I don't imagine there being a ton of them in that game. I think it might rain, but I don't see that being like a super big issue. But this is it. This is a very winnable game. Like defensively. It's there for them. They know where the ball is going to go. It's going to go. What's what Kamara's number? He's forty-one. It's going to go to forty-one. Yeah, I believe so. They're in practice this week. They practice in. Somebody's got the yellow jersey on. It's a forty-one. Probably put Penny Hart in the jersey or something like that. Say, all right, you Kamara this week. What up, Al? That's you. (laughs) You know, all right. That's where you know the ball is going. And when they do have to throw, uh, you know, you have to get to Jameis. Jameis, he takes sacks. Um, Let me see where Jameis is at. In sack rate, I love that we do the pod this way now that I can just look up all these numbers right away because I get to get as to the context of what we're saying. Like Matt Stafford has the lowest sack rate in the league at two point nine percent, which is ridiculous. Uh. That means nobody touches Matt Stafford. That is, yeah, that's the Seahawks. <laughs> that's an absurd number. Whereas Jameis has the eleventh highest sack rate in the league among qualifying quarterbacks. Got to get after him. He played a certain amount of snaps. Blah blah blah. Um, that's the same number as Carson Wentz, Derek Carr. Um, just a little less than Sam Darnold and Davis Mills. So I mean, these guys are taking a lot of sacks. Um, so I mean, you can if you you can get to these guys. But I'm with you, Chris. If if Daryl Terrell plays, that's great. If he doesn't play, I'm a li- I'm, bec- I'm becoming one of those people who's worried about the pass rush. I oh think, yeah, what do they have? Ten sacks. Ranked him early. Uh, ranked him real low. Was that Shield or was that PFF? Yeah. It was PFF. PFF did Shield not have did, the Shield the, of the DBs. Right. Okay. PFF just didn't have Seattle's D line very high. I'm like 27. Like that. Oh yeah, one of the two. One of the two. Something very low, and I thought that was a little. I thought that was unfair. Disrespectful, Mike. Did we get that wrong? Yeah, they have are not performing. They're not performing. Mm -hmm. Some of it is uh, Carlos Dunlap's seen a lot of double teams more than he did last year. He's seen a lot of attention. He's getting chips and everything. Um, Chips meaning like a running back helping or a tight end or something like that. Um, so not a ton of pure like one-on-one opportunities. And even the ones they were getting, the DBs were not helping them out, guys wide open on stuff. But even in the times where guys are holding the ball, like I know Pete Carroll says that Big Ben, the way he plays the game, he doesn't even let you get a chance to rush him. That's true. He was letting it fly very quick. But even the chances they had, you know, Kerry Hyder barely got close. Daryl Taylor had the only quarterback hit. Carlos Dunlap got close to him one time, and that one time was the overtime throw where he dumps it to the receiver and Trey Brown smokes the receiver. That's the one time uh, Dunlap I thought got really close to him. That would be counted as like a pressure getting him off his spot. That's not enough. That's not enough. You guys are getting paid some decent bread. Go get the guy. Even if you're not getting decent bread, you're out there. You know, even if you on the vet minimum, I need you to get to the quarterback. So uh, I think I'm that, that group I'm legitimately worried about. But I think that sack rates are much more about the quarterback that you play than anything else. And so, whereas, um, you know, J- Jameis takes sacks at a high rate, about six, like I said, 6.8%. Uh, 
Big Ben's at like 4%. He's right over there around where the Jimmy G range. And, you know, Jimmy G is another one of those guys who gets the ball out pretty fast. Uh, so I think even though I'm worried about that group, like all of these things point to this being a very winnable game. Yeah. You know what the other team's going to do. You know they're going to try to run it. All right, well, you just got to stop the run. This is a team that has the personnel, I think, to do that. Oh, where they gonna uh, when they throw it, they got a quarterback that's mistake prone. Okay, go get to him, put some pressure on him. Can you do that? Yeah, his sack rate is pretty high. Uh, he, t- he takes he takes some sacks. Offensively, you know what they're gonna try to do? They're gonna try to take away DK Metcalf. They're gonna try to take away Tyler Lockett. All right, so that means you should scheme up some easy throws that are harder to take away. That's like it's it, the game plan could be so simple on both sides of the ball. It's just a matter if they they get it done. I don't think it's even that like, they can hire me for the week. I'll come up in there. I don't even need a sweatsuit. I don't. Just let me get unlimited tickets for the game because everybody asks me if I need tickets. I don't even need to help myself out. I would just be out there passing around all the homies and friends and family because I could I could help scheme you know this up for them even with how injured some of their guys are, even without Damian, without Chris Carson, without Russ, even without Alex Collins. I could get it done. You know, give me Rashad Penny. I gave it to him 15 times. <laughs> I really do think Rashad could be a guy if you give it to him 15 times in the game and he could produce. I do, I do think that I have that much more of that confidence in him than I do like a DJ Dallas, Travis Homer. Um, there's a reason that when those guys were asked to be the number one back, the Seahawks signed someone else. <laughs> yeah. When it was Travis's turn to be that, they signed Marshawn. When it was DJ's turn to do that, they brought back Alex Collins and started him against the Rams. You know, DJ, DJ got like two games to be the, the guy, uh, the Bills and the uh, the the what's the, who they played before the Bills the Niners the first Niners game they was like I right, Alex Collins time yeah and I see that so they got their they have, even with the injuries and stuff I think they got the recipe they just got to put it together and if they do not we might have to go to one show a week man they're not even gonna be worth two <laughs> we worth yeah. one podcast every week unfortunately that might be the case but you ready to get some Twitter questions Mike we got quite a few yeah yeah let's do it all right. Let's do it. We want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time during the midweek show because this is the first time I think we've ever done it like this where we did Twitter questions after a game and then during our midweek show we did questions. But but thank you for those that did take the time to ask. We appreciate it. But let's go ahead and get this thing going. This one is from KP. What happened to Marquise Blair? Was a lot of hype coming into the season and last year before injury, but haven't seen much out of him thus far. Also, what's up with Alton Robinson not playing more? Been one of their best young players and got defensive snap. Only got one snap against the Steelers. Uh, two very good questions. I think Alton has a knee problem. I, I do think that's the issue there. Um, he didn't play much against the Rams either. I think he only played six snaps. I mean, I think if you notice, I think Daryl and Benson played a lot more snaps because of that. Because I think he's dealing with a knee thing. I don't know the extent of that, but I do think he should play more. Unless, obviously he is banged up that's yeah. you don't want to you know you can get hurt doing that they have other guys to rush the passer i think and play like outside backer whatever scheme whatever thing they're doing the marquise one is very interesting is something i was thinking about when i was watching film of one of those games like the vikings game i think because last week i asked pete i said are you gonna keep doing the rotate marquise and ugo thing because i just don't think that's working i don't think either guy is getting enough opportunities to make plays um Ugo's doing a lot of blitz disguising and just doing a lot of like, um, like a stop the hook route, you know, or just like real quick. He's taking away the quick stuff, and I want to see Ugo do a little bit more cover covering. But even then, the times I see him do it, 
it's not a ton. And then he's doing stuff like giving up a ball to Cooper Cup, you know, down to the goal line that led to the rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter, I want to say. Um, but that's Cooper Cup. But still, go out there and guard the guy. So I think that one, this is one that falls on media and coaches. Coaches hyped up Marquise. We bought it, ran with it, even though he did look very good. I just don't think he's getting those same opportunities. Um, and I don't know. The, the nickel thing, I'm not sure if that's his bag. If it is, I want to see do more man coverage with it. I feel like I don't see a lot of opportunities for him to make plays there. Even when they do that new 7 DB dime package thing, he's like the, the deep safety, which I think works for him too. Um, but I either want to, I just want to see him play more. And the rotating thing is not working. I just think the way they're doing the nickel thing is just, it's almost like rotating two quarterbacks. You know, like if you have, if you rotate two quarterbacks, you really don't have one. I feel that about their nickel situation too. Um, I just want to see Marquise play a little bit more, man. I want to see him rest the passer. I just want to see him start and play the nickel. Give me like yeah. three or four games with Marquise. No Ugo. Just not even anything about Ugo. I just want to see the, the see, just give me Marquise for a little bit so I can see. And I just haven't been able to see it. And I'm not really, I see why they're not, giving it a ton of look just because like neither guy is blowing the other one away in terms of like playing better nickel but how they're supposed to do that rotating every other drive i just think that whole situation is just being done poorly next up this one's from chris dunn he wants to know is he being too optimistic about the seahawks and the postseason making a little run their chances granted they would go up against the vikings saints panthers niners bears and hawks we kind of mentioned that what is Give him another answer, Mike, in that regard of the chances of the Seahawks advancing in the postseason. This is assuming they get like a wild card or something? Yeah, considering they he, he thinks they have a good chance. I know we were kind of pooping on that earlier, but he wants to know, if, is he being too optimistic, to be if honest? They get a, if they get a wild card shot. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, that they can make a run, probably, they're probably not. His, he wants to know, first of all, do the Seahawks have a good chance of making the playoffs? Or oh, is he being good chance? No, no, okay. not a good chance. No, he's being too optimistic then? It's probably about like 22% or 25, 23. It's probably real low. I mean, think about it, two and four. I mean, shoot, it's hard. Um, hey, they got to win. <laughs> yeah, but I think the other thing is, yeah, if they make the playoffs, okay, get a six seed. Great. Go to Green Bay. <laughs> you know, go to Dallas. I just don't think that's going to that's gonna go well. The only thing that could be working in their favor, I think – is if they were healthy, um, I do think by then, I think they would have a little better feel for Jamal's game and, and how to better use him. That's that's where that worked. And they would have Russ back. I think get yeah. Chris Carson back. Um, and presumably their line, like I said, if they're healthy. Because I'll say this last thing. With Jamal, he's there. Like, he's in position. Like, he'd be in position like sometimes yeah. to make the play and turnovers tend to come in bunches they're gonna like i think they're gonna start coming i do think that uh look at the, look at the two plays against the steelers we right there to make the pick like they're and even if you don't make the pick even if you tip it whatever like it goes to your teammate or something like that maybe so i just think he's he's in position i think turn, once these guys get these sacks and turnovers they're gonna start coming in bunches especially since the quarterbacks that they're playing outside of like aaron Rodgers. They get sacked at a pretty decent rate. You know, um, Kyler Murray, 
who's the other one? Trevor Lawrence, Jameis. Like, they have a chance for a little bit of a run here. I don't know about Taylor Heineke. I don't think his sack rate's very high. But you get my point. Yeah. There's a, there's a chance for a turn, but it really, I think it really has a lot to do with defense. That defense has got to start forcing turnovers. And if they don't, our show, we'll do our last postgame show the first week of January. It'll be over. We'll be start talking about offseason. Who's getting fired by January 10th? This one's from Bryce. Given the next injury to Chris Carson, what do you think the Hawks do at running back next season? We're already looking at next season. Jesus, Bryce. Um, now, that's a good question. I don't know the severity of Chris's neck injury. I want to say this unequivocally. I do not know severity. I do not know if it's the same as Cliff, Cliff Averill or Cam Chancellor or even, um, what's my man name that I heard on special teams? Ah. Uh, Oh, I'm seeing him. Oh, uh, Ricardo Lockett? Lockett, yeah. The Seahawks or is, is it Lockett? No, it's Ricardo Lockett. Yeah. Okay, it is. He just spells I, it differently. I don't think... Yeah, he's he's the one with an E. That's, That's what, what it was, call, yes. They call Tyler Lockett, if you if you ever notice in press conferences, they call him Noe. Yeah, I remember that. Sounds like it's no E because he's a Lockett without the E. It's very stupid nickname. But Carl's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's, and they still call him Noe even though Lockett's hurt. Anyway, um, I don't know the severity of it. I think that just means that they're going to draft a running back, probably draft one really high. <laughs> yep. Because that's what Pete does, man. He's probably going to use that second round pick on our running back if Chris's career is done. But I don't even want to necessarily put that in the air. We just don't know. We don't know. But if that's in fair. the event that that does happen, Pete's going to overreact if he's even the damn coach uh, and draft a running back. So be prepared to, for them to take like the, the number one back out of Georgia or something <laughs> like that with pick like 48 or something like that in the draft if they need to replace Chris next year. I don't think they will have to, but yeah, if they never know. This one's from Vince. Let's say Russ comes back, creates magic, Seahawks make it to the postseason, and they lose in the wild card or divisional. Is Russ out of here in the offseason? Man, I think this is the second time we've got something that looks like this um, in terms of a question. It's a good question, and it's so hard to predict because I need to see how it plays out. Um do guys stay healthy? Does the offense scheme up easier throws? Does Russ have more autonomy? Did him and Shane get into it? Did him and Russ and Pete get into it? How's the defense look? Does the defense get worse? the defense get better? Um, I would suspect, though, that if Russ comes back playing well and it looks like the reason the season ends prematurely is, be- is because of people that aren't named Russ, then yeah, I think he's out of here. I think that that's that's probably the beginning of the end too let's say they make a run they go 10 and 7 get the six seed like i said go to dallas or green bay lose at dallas or green bay russ has never won in green bay so let's say it goes there lost in the regular season and the postseason you yeah yeah he's won he lost there no i'm saying he would lose you know unfortunately probably in week 10 (laughs) yeah green bay and then they win that doesn't matter let's say they win that but this yeah and in uh, my man's scenario here I, I think that that he's he's gone in that in that scenario. I don't know what it would look like, but I just don't see why Russ would feel compelled to come back. Like, what would be the the thing, especially if either Aaron Rodgers, Dak, or Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl? Those are quarterbacks who are getting better play calling and scheming. They have better weapons. Well, the Green Bay might not have better weapons, um, but 
you're looking at a, a quarterback who at least is getting his way a little bit more recently. Shoot, they brought back old ass Randall Cobb just because Aaron Rodgers said so. Yeah. Uh, I think that that could feed into a bit of the stuff that pissed Russ off in the offseason. Who knows? We're a long ways from that, but yeah, a wild card exit. I don't know in what world he stays after a wild card exit. Why would he stay? Would y'all yeah. stay if he was Russ? Probably not. This next question is at this stage of the season, what does success look like? And how has Wilson's injury impacted the tensions between him and the Seahawks? Uh, I can't answer the second part yet. I got to do more reporting on the tensions and things like that. I just think it's all on pause right now until Russ get back. I just think, you know, no one can say definitive. Russ probably doesn't even know. You know, he's hurt. You know, they're, they're, they're in on Geno right now. It's all about helping Geno so the team wins until Russ gets back. Win as many games as possible until Russ gets back. That's the mandate around here. Um, the first part of that was... What does success look like? Oh, that's... I mean... Like going back to the last question, it's very. This is this season is as close as it gets to freaking binary. It's one zeros and ones around here, man. You either won the Super Bowl or you did not. Uh-huh. I mean, it, let's say they didn't even win the Super Bowl. Either you got there or you didn't. I mean, I think it really comes down to that, man. I mean, if, if Russ has to miss, if Russ doesn't come back to December or something, then yeah, maybe. But like, we're all kind of targeting week ten, so let's just go week ten that he comes back. Success, there's only one way to succeed this season. It's to get to the Super Bowl. That's it. Russ and Pete don't really. I can't. I don't think they can afford to do anything else as a partnership. You know, I just, I just don't see a world where they lose. Like, and to go to the last question in the divisional round, and you know, unless got unless Russ got hurt in that too. Say Russ blows his knee out in the divisional round. It's like, oh well, if Russ was there, you know, that also hurts his trade value. So, um, but like a healthy Russ playing well. Another year where they lose in the division round, I just don't or the wild card round. I just don't see a way that this goes forward. And what does success look like? Success is getting to Super Bowl. That that hasn't changed. These guys still think, especially now, think about it. The you're asking Geno Smith to beat the Saints, to beat the, the Jaguars, then Russ comes back and you're four and four. The success thing has not changed. They think they can do that. I know I'm not that high on it they think they can do that if they think they can do that and don't get it done that's failure just it's the same as last year anything but the super bowl is a failure whether that's realistic or not that's just the case this one's from everett mike from being around pete who do you think he would sincerely take critique from concerning his core football philosophy um just tater i think tater or maybe did he maybe how many kids is does he got on staff just nate I yeah, believe it's just Nate, because then, yeah. Nate, the receiver's coach. I think Tater's the one. He's known Tater for so goddamn long. I think I asked Tater when they met, and they were, like, assistants on the North Carolina State staff in, like, 1984. Something like that. They've known each other for a very long time. They trust each other, and they can talk about mm, almost anything before, uh, about football or non-football stuff. Here's the thing, though. Who actually has those critiques that everyone else has that's in the building? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not about who else will Pete listen to. Who else in the building has even got something worth listening to? Like, What's what if they looking like? What if Tater's telling them to run it more? You know, shoot, I don't know if that's the case, but I mean, yeah. like, who who even has something valid? You know, like, who's bringing something valid to the table? We just don't know enough about how those other guys think. We don't know how much Nate, what Nate Carroll thinks. We know what Russ thinks. We got that part. 
you know, listening to him is like, a, eh, I don't know how much they like doing that in that building. So <laughs> I think there are people in there, which named a couple of them. But then we have to ask, what are they? What are they critiquing? Yeah. What if they're in there telling them, Pete, you went for that on fourth down against the Rams? What were you thinking? We <laughs> right should Aaron Donald. <laughs> right. Maybe they're saying be more conservative. We don't know. They could be in there giving worse advice than he's already getting. <laughs> you know. So I think because uh, I think Nate and Tater are two of the guys in his ear during the games in terms of situational stuff. At least I think. I think Nate was last year, and I know Tater has done that in the past, and I think Tater's doing that this year. So, how much of Pete's conservatism is chalked up? to his homie who knows so I, I think it's 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 a two-pronged response it's okay yeah there's here's the guys who we'll listen to but are they worth listening to you know i mean that that's just a bigger problem i think our last one this one's from craig he wants to hear your thoughts on salah's quote about seattle's defense robert gave a great answer explaining the league-wide shift away from cover three from seattle's cover three defensive system and he credits Kyle Shanahan cracking it in 2015-16 when he was the Falcons offensive coordinator and practiced against Dan Quinn's defense. Um, so I'm not going to read the whole quote from Robert Sala. It's very it's very good, though. Um, I, don't, I, I would summarize it like this. Robert Sala, essentially, when he was asked about, you know, teams going away from cover three, it's actually very similar to something Bob, Bobby Wagner said, I think, in his last press conference um, pregame, not a postgame one. He said, basically said, look, when we ran cover three, because we were better than everybody, we had me, he didn't list everybody, but he was like, we had me, Cam, Sherm, Earl, KJ, a pass rush. We just ran cover three. You couldn't beat us with whatever you ran because we were better. Didn't mm. really, they could have been running cover four, one, zero, doesn't matter. They were better than the other team. So they, and then, but what happened was, not only the other teams just get better. That's how the league works. They um, they design things to beat cover three. There are ways to beat every coverage. You know, that's just kind of how it works. And they figured it out. And I think that's... And then Bobby even mentioned that in his press conference, he was like, well, then we adjusted. You know, now we just can't run a bunch of cover three. So I think Robert Sala, his quote was eventually, uh, essentially saying a lot of the same stuff Bobby said, um, which was, "We you have to adjust. You know, Kyle Shanahan came in there with Dan Quinn. They was like, well, here, let's just run some cover three beaters. Here we go. Ah, right, let's just overload this side and boom, 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 boom. Figured the thing out. Te other teams have then copied that. Right? And so what do you have to do? Adjust. These guys don't just run a bunch of cover three as much anymore. They do a lot of two high looks. They run quarters, you know, cover four stuff. A lot of teams are running cover two. Um, and you see the Seahawks are running variations of that as well jamal does a lot of split safety stuff with quandra i ended on this though bobby made the point that i have started to learn as well just kind of researching how football has gone over the years talking to someone like mike sando shout out to sando who's covered the league for decades the league is cyclical i use that word right cyclical yes so it means it goes in cycles right so at that time like let's say late late 2000s early 2010s what was in vogue at the time running backs people were running the ball that was the premier offenses were featuring the Ladanian thomas and adrian peterson and jamal charles and chris johnson and LaShawn mccoy teams are running the ball so what do you do load up the box right eight man box oh let's get ugly everybody's in the ice bath after the game <laughs> okay now where's it going 
passing the ball. All right. Lighter boxes. Cover two. Quarters. Okay. So what our offense is going to do, you, let's, let, let's play this out. Chris, what are the team, what are the team going to start doing now that they're getting lighter run boxes and getting cover two? I don't throw that bit. No, 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 man, we messed it up. They don't start running it more. Oh, against cover two, you get two yeah, safeties. You got two safeties up high. You got to run it. Yes, teams are going to start running it more, and then you're just going to start seeing slowly. Running backs are going to start getting drafted higher. Offensive guards are going to start getting drafted higher. You're going to see uh, more schemes tailored to quarterbacks that can beat that too, like guys who can also run more Trey Lance types than than Mac Jones types getting drafted at the quarterback position so teams could run the ball and run teams out of cover two and then when uh when cover two is less in vogue what are teams gonna be back to doing running cover three to stop the run now maybe this doesn't happen until 2031 but i just think that's the cycle like look how long it took for cover two to be like the predominant defense it probably took like a decade you know maybe it takes another decade or something like that for teams to catch up so i do think it's cyclical in that way and i do think that's a dilemma for a lot of defensive co- coaches right now, whether the coordinator or the head coach is, how do we stick to what we do philosophically, but also adjust to how offenses are trying to attack us? And I think Seattle's kind of stuck in the middle because you have to draft according to that too. You can't just draft to your philosophy, but run something else. It's freaking stupid, right? You got to draft to your philosophy and run the stuff that works for the guys you got so i do think that's why i'm going so long on this question i do think that's relevant to seattle because i do think they're stuck in the middle they like to run a certain type of defense philosophically that isn't isn't built to stop what most teams are doing teams are throwing it all over the yard you run a cover three put eight in the box you invite them to throw it so um that is it's a very relevant question to seattle who asked that this was craig Shout out to Craig. It's a very good philosophical big picture question for us to end on because that that dilemma, I think, figuring that out, if Pete does stay around for multiple years, he'll have to really commit to trying to answer that question. How do I still be Pete Carroll and run a Pete Carroll defense while adjusting to how offenses are being in this league? He's doing a little bit of it, and they are they are doing it, but you can tell they're very much in transition until they get to the point they want to be at. I don't know if they can be an elite defense again until they really figure out that the answer to that question that philosophical question oh that was really deep sometimes you gotta get deep on seahawks man to man but we want to thank everyone for asking twitter questions we know we caught you randomly midweek people are like what twitter questions what are you guys doing but we appreciate all the love and support we will be back tuesday morning hopefully with good news and an exciting episode for you i mean regardless it's going to be exciting because that's what we do but let's hope the seahawks get the dub here you know that would be nice yeah, I mean, that's that changes my whole job this year. All the feature stories I have planned and everything, if they go two and five, nobody want to read about that stuff. They want to read about who's who getting fired, who's out. Yeah, nobody want to do no interviews. It's like, all right, who's to blame, Mike? Who's getting fired? What's wrong with this? And I have to answer those questions. Nobody wants to read the, the fun stuff. So, yeah, we're not supposed to root for the whatever. But, nah, man, they got them losing is bad for business, and we root for good business goodness, yeah right. regardless of uh how much you love the pod and the youtube show so we appreciate all the love and support we're almost to a thousand so make sure you keep oh, subscribing. We are? yeah we're at 835 it's probably run it up y'all run it up it's probably climbed up but with our special guest coming soon i am willing to bet we're gonna crush it so oh yeah that'll be true let's get some yes. let's get some guests but on my it. goal is let's get it before there we got two weeks man two and a half weeks 
you guys keep supporting and showing it off and showing people hey check out man to man we appreciate the love and support mike is there anything you want to add before we get out of here well, see you guys next week all right we out Time to